Well, well, well. Guess who's back again? <laughs> What's up, buddy? Man, we made it. I can't believe it. Well, we're still around. We are back. Trucking away. How you doing, man? I'm doing really great. Yeah? I'm doing really great. You had a new baby. I did have a new baby. Which unleashed Corona. <laughs> Corona baby, yeah, he unleashed Corona on all of us. It's no coincidence it happened at the same time. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 I don't know. <laughs> uh, we hope that you're all doing really, really well. Welcome to the Mountain Podcast. Yep. Uh, I am your host, always with you. I never leave you nor forsake you because, oh. wait, and that's someone else. But I'm here nevertheless. Donovan, with me as always, is lead pastor of the Mountain Church, Samuel Paul Bernard Roger Goulet. Man. Hi, buddy. And we've got a special guest. We do have a very special guest with us here today. He is, uh, I would consider him one of our leaders here at the Mountain Church. He's also a leader of one of our home groups and someone I really, really look up to a lot. Um, I've known since, I mean, we both have known since we were children. Uh, we yeah. still are children. Um, <laughs> but we're, we're really excited to have him on the show today, Mr. Steve Beeson. Hi, Steve. Hi. Good to have you, man. Thanks, man. It's an honor to be with you guys. How have you been during all this? Um, okay, doing fine. Yeah. Yeah, my uh, my wife's still working. I'm kind of semi-retired, so she keeps me in the manner to which I'm accustomed. And uh, <laughs> um, so I, I uh, have become kind of like a, a house dad. I take care of the house and dig up the backyard and paint doors and stuff like that. I'm still doing some other ministry around town. Um, I've been in exile as a metro chaplain. So we're not allowed to do ride-alongs for the time being, but that may that may break loose pretty soon. Yeah, and um, uh, and a few other irons in the fire, but yeah, doing good, doing good, very good, yeah, very good. Steve's amazing. He's been doing ride-alongs. He's been the, a chaplain. How long have you been a chaplain now with Metro Police? Ten years. Ten years. That's a long. I didn't realize it was that long. Beautiful. Definitely a a beautiful city approach in a lot of different ways. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I I. Uh, you know, when, when God gives you a heart for people, uh, it's, it's easy to do. Yeah. And it's been very challenging because we weren't a law enforcement family prior to this. And um, about the same time I got asked to be a chaplain by one of the captains, uh, my son went through the police academy, and now he's been a cop about 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so um, uh, it's been, been a very interesting transition. Um, I, I do remember when we were building the, the building at Summerlin, yeah. Um, and we had the paint marks in the dirt where the building was going to be and all that. Yeah. And um, we had the altar, uh, this big arc carved out in orange paint. And I, I used to kind of go there at night, just kind of walk around where the building would be and pray. And I remember being in tears at the altar one night, crying out for the police in our city wow. of, of all the crazy things. And I'm like, God, just, just bring, you know, bring the police, touch the police and all this. And then, you know, like 10 years after that, I ended up being a chaplain. And I'm cruising around with a guy one day, and I'm thinking, God, how did I ever get into this stuff? Mm. And he goes, dude, you, I don't know if you said dude, but dude, <laughs> dude, <laughs> why not? <Steve>. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he said, you, you remember, you, you kind of prayed yourself into this. I'm yeah. like, oh, man, that's right. So a lot of times we just don't know, you know, what the Father's going to do. Yeah. It's, it's been amazing. Uh, the relationship we have with the department and with the city here is it's extraordinary. That's all I can say. And we have such, uh, such a good relationship with the department and with yeah. the people that work there, and really almost free reign uh, to minister to the cops as God leads. I mean, we have some restrictions, but yeah. um, it, it's really it's been an amazing opportunity. That's been, that's amazing. It came from prayer, 
Because I think a lot of times people think of prayer as a, your will requesting God to do something. Yeah. But this is a really beautiful example of God's will shaping your heart and his desire shaping you. Yeah, yeah. And you know, as I've gotten older, I've, I've kind of decided prayer is really quieting yourself and finding out what's on the Father's heart and then praying it. And, you know, and of course, then when he does it, we're like, we prayed that. He kind of pats <laughs> us on the head. You know, yeah, like, good yeah, job. Good job, buddy. <laughs> but uh, I think that's a, a way for really successful prayers is to really take time to f- understand what God's heart is for something and then pray into it. Like for praying for revival, we always mm. know that's God's heart, right? Yeah. Um, but the more specific things, um, just like even when we're going through coronavirus, we're getting all this news and stuff. Yeah. But if we get alone with the Father and say, okay, God, what are you, what are you doing in all this? Man, we get a whole different story, a whole different dialogue yeah. from, from what God's doing. I really feel like he's sifting yeah. the nation right now. You know, and, and I feel like he's being really gentle. Obviously, if you've had a loved one who's been really sick or died, it doesn't seem gentle. Yeah. But overall for the country, it seems like a really gentle period that God's, it could have been so much worse. I mean, mm-hmm. we could be looking at millions of dead and all that stuff, and, and it has been a big disruption, but it's such a gentle way for God to get us to look and say, okay, what's really important? Do yeah. we really need five, not sports channels, but five channels where they just talk about sports? They don't yeah. actually do sports, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but they just talk about them. Do, do we need that besides all the other sports channels? And, and you know, do you need 10 home shopping channels? And, yeah. you know, some of those things I, I think mm. God's allowing us to, to kind of go, yeah, yeah, what's really important here? Yeah. And so I, I just see kind of God doing that sifting. Yeah. Um, first of all, in us as believers, but then even with the whole country. People are really kind of reevaluating, deciding what things are important. And yeah. It can be really difficult for a lot of people right now, but it's a chance to maybe turn back to God and say, okay, God, I, I need rent this month. Yeah. You know, I need food on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we see so many food banks and things. It's, it's amazing um, when those good, good things come out of our community yeah. that, that weren't even showing before. All of a sudden, you know, we're giving away... You know, thousands of tons of food. Yeah. And, yeah, there's still needs. It's We're not out of the woods. But um, I think we're going to look back on this as an amazing time in our country. Yeah, I think so. You said quiet yourself in prayer. What does that look like for you to quiet yourself so you can hear God? Oh, man. Uh, turn the TV off. Now, for me, I have to get more than six feet away from my computer and then black out the screen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the, And then turn off the sound of the computer, because yeah. otherwise when the, when the emails are coming in, yeah. you know, or the text message, it's dinging. And I usually put uh, worship music or soaking music yeah. on, and, and I'm blessed to have a little office at home mm-hmm. where I can do that. So I can spend time at the computer with, with the Word and stuff, but then um, usually getting the Word first, kind of get my head right, because then I'm reading how God's thinking. Yeah. Right, and then um, finish up my time with the Lord. Um, I've got another chair. I, I move away from my desk, try to turn everything off, and and just um, begin. And I kind of use the Lord's prayer as a model. Yeah. So I start out praising Him, and then pray for His uh, kingdom to come, yeah. commanding it to come, yeah. and His will to be done. Yeah. And then that kind of just gets my head right to where this is all supposed to be. Yeah. And it reminds me that we're. We're doing this for the kingdom. It's not about Steve's ministry or yeah. uh, Donovan or Sam's ministry or anybody else, but it's really about the Father's kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, and how the Father administrates it. Yeah. So for me, I, I, I have to 
kind of push everything aside, and and I'm a little ADD in prayer. Yeah. Um, so uh, I usually have the phone somewhere nearby. So if I get a great idea, I try to um, just put it um, put it on like in notes or something out of your brain. Yeah. So I yeah. can set it aside. I know I won't forget. I don't have to go do it now. Yeah. Um, and then. Um, just kind of say, okay, Father, show me, show me what's on your heart. Or even if something's troubling me, maybe I've seen something on the news or something that, that really bothered me today. Mm-hmm. I say, okay, God, this is what second heaven says. All right, um, what's third heaven say? What do you say from the throne? Yeah. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. And, um, um, man, I've gotten It really is encouraging every time you go to God. First of all, you're reassured that he's in charge. Yeah. yeah, not always in control. I'm not sure that the word would support him being in control of everything, but I, I, I know he's in charge. Yeah, and I know that that the end of the book is still going to end up the same. Yeah. So um, as we pray that Your kingdom come, Your will be done. As we command, come, kingdom of God, be done, will of God. Yeah. Um, it kind of it kind of lines me up a little bit with with what I know God's will is. Yeah. It seems like an interesting exercise to clear your mind. And I think that there's a really great test in all of it that sometimes people don't because their their anxiety is so pressing that it, it doesn't allow them to stop. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all the more reason, too, so that that anxiety or those pressures don't mm-hmm. rule you. But you can choose to have those moments where you clear the slate and allow God to just have time with you. And it really does put everything in its place, I think, in a beautiful way. Yeah, and you know, I think it's I think it's Philippians four six that says, "Be anxious for nothing." Yeah. But by but in everything by prayer and supplication, make your requests known before God. Yeah. You know, and um, that be anxious for nothing, man. That's a challenge. Yeah. Especially if you have kids, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like we we can be anxious for not be anxious for any of these things, but we can almost give ourselves permission to be anxious for our kids. Like, yeah. okay, but it's okay to worry about my kids. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think we're supposed to do that either. Right? We do give ourselves permission to worry about certain things, jobs, yeah. kids, yeah. future. Yeah, things we think we can control. Wow, what does that look like? It's really interesting to, to live a life where we suspend or almost surrender the idea that we're in control. Um, I think we spend most of our lives learning that we're not in control. Mm. Okay, we have influence, but not control. That's a that's a really powerful idea. It is, but it's it's tough because we're by our society we're taught to control things or try to control yeah. things, you yeah. know. Or if if we don't feel like God's coming through, a lot of times we'll step in and do something mm-hmm. or try to make it happen or go get a payday loan or whatever. It is, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. To try to to try to fill in the blanks uh, instead of waiting on God. That's that's a big thing to learn is that we are absolutely not in control. If you're trying to control stuff, what you're saying is, Father, I, I don't really trust you to take care of this. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. That's amazing. And maturity almost illuminates that impatience and that desire for control. I remember when I was a basketball player and I was maturing as a basketball player, one of my coaches said, you got to let the game come to you. Mm-hmm. When he told me that, I was like, I don't even, that's a, what are you that's stupid. Like you just hear that and you're like, come to you. No, I go steal the ball. I go drive the lane. I, like I do it. I engage it. But then when you started to try it out, you understood what it meant. And there was a flow to it. There was a patience and a timeliness in the acting or the waiting. And there was something really interesting about that kind of engagement. And because I think sometimes when we say that we're not in control, 
to the man of action that can mm-hmm. sound like passive, but it's not passive. It still has timely action. Right. So what do you think that balance looks like of waiting in action? Well, I think, um, let's see, how can I say this? I had it around the tip of my tongue and I totally just blew it out. Um, you know, as we try to take control, we're, we're trying to make things happen. But when we get in prayer, by allowing God to be in charge, if you will, um, and really listening to what He says, then that gives you the platform on which to go beyond just making requests known. That's when you can get into making faith declarations. Like if I know God wants to do something, then I can declare it. Yeah. Right? Uh, but until I know that, uh, I'm just saying, God, fix this. Oh, my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do with this country? Oh, God, you know, mm-hmm. all those kind of prayers, kind of whining to God. They're complaining mm-hmm. about it. And there are times when we just don't know. We, we're, we're clueless, like, God, help. You know, that's okay. But I think in a lot of things, if we'll really listen to the Father, um, relinquishing control, and even though God may, may say this is, and when I say he says it, I'm saying he speaks to our mind, not to our, you know, I don't know if I've ever heard God, God's audible voice. Yeah. But he plants his thoughts in our mind, and a lot of times I know they're his because they're so unlike my thoughts. Like I'm all worried about something and I'm taking it to him in prayer, and he just says, no, it's this. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So by faith then, I pray according to that. But it requires that I see I'm relinquishing control. I think it should be this way. And then um, the Father through the Holy Spirit says, no, this is, this is really what I'm doing over here. Mm. Um, uh, maybe a, uh, one example that I, I've shared a few times, but in um, August of 1986, I was actually in St. Louis at my folks' house. And so I'm away from the church here, away from my family. And um, I've had uh, uh, racial reconciliation has been on my heart for a long time. If, yeah. you, if you know me, you, you may have even heard the story before. But um, some things kind of blew up in August, you know, and I think there, maybe that's when Charlotte happened in South Carolina, mm-hmm. a lot of racially charged stuff in the media. And, yeah. and I, I got kind of frustrated with God, you know, like, God, you know, I thought we were doing better than this yeah. and all that. And I began to, to really uh, go before the Father and spend some time with it and and I just heard him say, Steve, these things have always been there. They're just simmering, but I'm allowing them to boil up now so yeah. that they can be healed. Mm-hmm. And once he gave me that word, I'm like, oh, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, okay, God, bring the healing we need. Yeah. You know, bring the healing. I wasn't seeing what was going on, all this bubbling and simmering that was going on all these years. But now, God, now, God, and I've even prayed, God, by the time my grandsons get to be adults, I want them to have to learn what racism is. I want it to be yeah. so unknown in our country. You know, so I've even put a little bit of a timetable, and I'm not, you know, I, I don't know that I have the right to do that, but that's, sure. just, that's just what's on my heart. Desire, yeah. But see, I went from, from worrying about it, like, God, fix it, what are we going to do, to, okay, God, I'm going to make a faith declaration. Yeah. You know, by year whatever, or however you know, it was late at the time, God, um, I declare that this problem is going to be eradicated in our country. That, yeah. that people will have to learn what racism is. That'd be amazing. Yeah. But that would see, be amazing. You see how that brings a shift. I'm, I'm relinquishing my my control yeah. and my right to worry yeah. about things. Yeah. Um, kids are another one. Uh, I said my son's a cop, you know. There's a great place for a lot of worry right there. Mm-hmm. And yet I have such a, I've come to a point where I have such a confidence. Yeah. You know, um, 
that uh, I can just say, Father, take care of my son, lead him into great stuff today. Yeah. You know, let him catch some big, you know, some big fish and stuff. Sure. Um, uh, and when, you're, when your kids are not doing well, um, are you willing to, are we going to just try harder and, and try to, you know, screw them down and control them? <laughs> or are we going to go, Father, I really, yeah. I really need, yeah. you know, your heart on this. Yeah. And we had talked a little bit before about um, the example that Jesus gave was with the prodigal son. Yeah. Okay, uh, we call it the story of the prodigal son. It's really the yeah. story of the two sons and yeah. the father. Mm-hmm. It's, to me, it's one of the greatest stories Jesus ever told. And I, I think it starts, even starts out, a certain man had two sons, yeah. which may mean that it was actually a true story. Right. Rather than, it wasn't the kingdom of God is like, I don't think. It, I think he actually said a certain man had two sons. Right. And so everybody knows the story about the prodigal, um, and of course he, you know, demanded his inheritance and yeah. went on, spent it all. Everybody, almost everybody knows the story, and the great scene where he comes back. Yeah. And he had set in his own mind, I'm just going to go back and be a servant for my father. I'm not worthy to be called his son. And he only gets about halfway. You know, he, he's coming up the road, and it says his father saw him far off. Yeah. And ran down the road to meet him. That's awesome. You know, which in those days was unheard of. Yeah. And he throws his arms around him. He kisses him. You know, puts you know, gives him all this. Just totally takes care of him, and just complete grace. Just complete grace. Yeah. Poured out on this kid, and the kid doesn't even get halfway through his speech. You know, and dad cuts him off and <laughs> just says, "You're home essentially." Yeah. And and just welcomes him back, as though nothing had happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other part of the story is of the older son, his brother, who's totally ticked off. It's like, okay, he took part of his inheritance too he was the older brother yeah so a portion of what would have been his double portion went out the door with the other son yep okay and now he's coming back and wants everybody to act like nothing happened right and yet the father's heart again totally full of grace you're here with me all the time he says yeah and uh everything i have is yours Mm -hmm. you know and he says you should have welcomed your brother back in yeah and really we're not supposed to be like either one of the sons we're supposed to be like dad yeah you know that we're supposed to be full of that gracious love um i mean imagine what you know what the father went through with the prodigal Mm -hmm. because he was out of sight i'm sure he knew something was screwed up with him and yet he waited on him and he was ready to take him back in when yeah. he came home. I, I think I see this these two types of people a lot in church community too. Yep. yep. And you see the celebrated uh, new Christian, <laughs> and you see that like excitement over it mm-hmm. from certain people or leaders. And then you see the the guy who or the guy who's been there, been faithful. Mm-hmm. And then you could see those feelings erupt yep. at different moments. And I can understand each of those feelings. The fathers, I can understand the prodigals wanting to just find a place. And then the faithful kid who's been here, been doing it, and feels overlooked a bit. I can understand all those feelings. But you see a beautiful call to a certain mentality that I think is really important. I I would say most of the people who have been faithful, they've dealt with this. You know, you see, how about the person that got saved and then took off again? Two or three times. You know, and they keep coming back. You're like, yeah, here they come again. Yeah, I wonder if it'll stick this time. You know, all that. Um, But that's not the Father's heart. And that's where when we get to live in the grace of the Father, that day-to-day walk with Him, it should fill us full of grace. Yeah. 
Um, but a lot of times it doesn't, and we feel that there's been an injustice done because we've kept up our end of the bargain, yeah. uh, rather than understanding that we, we live by grace every day. And doesn't that reveal just kind of even our concept of justice? Yeah. Like, it's a little bit skewed. It's a little bit off if yep. we think yep. somebody should get what they deserve. Yep. And, and we are called to discern things. So you don't want to put an unfaithful person in a place of leadership. Sure. You know, and Paul addressed that in his letters to Timothy and other, yeah. you know, um, find faithful men. Yeah. So we're not saying, okay, I'm going to grab him and make him a deacon in the church, deacon in the church. <laughs> but likewise, we need to be there to welcome people wherever they are. Yeah. And, you know, the, the power of the cross is so great. The power of forgiveness and the grace of the Father released through the cross is so amazing that that uh, we want to use wisdom with people when we bring them back in. We want mm-hmm. them to get out of, you know, we don't want them to go back to drugs or alcohol or, or um, domestic violence or whatever it, whatever it was, or just not walking with God. Yeah. Um, but we've got to allow, allow room for the Holy Spirit to do that too. Yeah, promotion and celebrating somebody or the person, those things are different. Yeah. Leadership, opportunities, authority. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily translate of, hey, I love you, so I'm going to give you all this authority. Right. I love you. I'm going to give you this authority based on merit, trustworthiness, faithfulness. And those things are hard for some people to separate, but they ought to be separated. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that really requires wisdom. A lot of times people will come back to the Lord, they'll walk with the Lord, we'll say, for six months. Yeah. And they want to be a deacon. They want, you know, a position or authority or an opportunity for advancement and all that stuff. And, you know, when you're not letting them in, you, as a leader, a good leader, you've got to say, yeah, let's, let's give that some more time to, yeah. to a really... And oftentimes we want, you know, people are excited about the Lord or following the Lord. We want them in those positions. But as leaders, we've got to have that kind of fatherly attitude. It you can know? be so tempting because a lot of times their enthusiasm right. is at a 12 out of 10 and yeah. they're rearing, ready to go. Show me the park to witness at. Show me the, the homeless people to feed. Right. I'm there. I've quit my job. I'm, right. I'm ready to witness 24-7. Prayer. Let's go. And so it can be tempting and even tantalizing as a leader to go, oh, this is raw energy. Let's use it mm-hmm. to make a way for things. But discretion and a beautiful patience to say, hey, come along with me. We'll engage in these things together under my wing. Follow me as I follow Christ. Yep. Models are so beautiful to honestly, because there's a short-term burnout that's real there, and a person ends up feeling at the other end of it. We've watched it a hundred times, used, uh, even possibly abused for their energy, right. their giftings, right. or their charisma. And so it almost speaks to you are your value begins and ends with what you can contribute. And I think that's a really rough um, dynamic. Yeah. Because yeah. then somebody can't see that God loves them not for what they can contribute, but he just loves them. And I think what you said is really important. You know, the whole concept of discipleship in the first century was you come alongside the teacher. Yeah. And you walk with him. Yeah, and literally that's what the disciples did, and we've kind of reduced discipleship to you know take these four online lessons, you're good to go. Yeah, you know <laughs> learn these three things. We'll test you on it, make sure you know it. Yeah, okay. Um, but really, in the in the uh, rabbinic tradition, uh, discipleship was you walked with the rabbi. Mm. 
Um, you know, that's why Paul keeps uh, referring back to he was a student of, I just lost the name. Um, yes. Okay, you know yep. what I mean, yep. right? It'll, it'll come yes. to me in about, you know, my hard drive runs a little Ten slow. minutes after the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh! Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> we'll just uh, dub over the yeah. name. <laughs> but Paul, had actually, he was actually a disciple of that guy, and the guy was well-known as a rabbi. Yeah. Okay, and... Uh, um, Anyway, that was how disciples were made. And yeah. in, in present culture, we don't do too much of that. It's, it's a scary thing to have, say some, to say to somebody, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. But mm-hmm. um, that's why Jesus, I think, um, his disciples were only 12, and then three really close to him. Yeah, you know, and, and one bad berry. And one, yeah, <laughs> one bad fruit out of that. One bad so, fruit. Um, that was Peter, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Peter screwed up big time, so... He did. Um, three times. Three times. Yeah. <laughs> At the lady, yeah. Well, after hacking the guy's ear off, too, yeah. you know? Yeah, four, yeah. Jesus like, do you why? Think, what, are you, what are you doing here? Do you think, as an American culture, we're, we're too quick to promote? I think we are. I think within the church, yeah. we're so desperate to try to activate and grow the church and grow mm. our church, maybe not God's church, but our church, mm. um, that, uh, uh, you know, we want people to be busy. And it's kind of counterculture to bring disciples along this way because yeah. not many people do it. Yeah. Um, everybody's like, yeah, I don't have time for that. It's like, okay, you know. But, yeah. um, so we, we do what we can. We give them the four online, you know, <laughs> classes. Yeah, we try to meet them where they are. are. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. and uh, um, yeah, it's we we we're very. I don't think short attention span is the right word, but we expect quick results, and we a lot of times, in, even in the church community, we 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 reward or we respect quick results. Yeah. You always hear about the guy that started the church in his living room, and in five years they got 15,000 people. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, we really look at that and say, that's it, that's how God moves. Um, but I'm not sure that's, that's really the case. It, yeah. How many, how many disciples in that 15,000? I mean, people that are, are really sold out for Jesus, who are willing to change sure. everything, who are willing to do whatever it takes to, to bring revival. Yeah. Well, and just even measuring somebody's because really what we're doing is we're judging effectiveness based on outcome mm-hmm. or production. Mm-hmm. But when it says God's the Lord of the harvest, I, I think it's a really a dangerous game to to really judge somebody based on this is how many people, crowd, numbers, disciples created, where if the pastor of 50 was obedient to the Lord perfectly and the pastor of 15,000 was obedient to the Lord perfectly how could you measure the value of one's obedience more than the other right just because there was a a, a different mass response or appeal because sometimes that's as simple as well that person has a certain look tone of voice delivery sure. of communication sure. that's just different and sometimes it's a an era specific thing and you can't do anything about it, or it's not yours to even worry about. That's right. So I don't. I, I, I totally agree with you, and it's been a misleading picture we've painted, which is to be a great discipler or father's heart engager is to have mass appeal or big num- numerical growth. Right. Yeah, it's it's so true, and you know, and and we wanna we wanna honor everybody. 
So there's nothing yeah. wrong with big churches. Right. Um, and, and we've been part of it. You know, yeah. when, we, when my family came here, um, it was West Valley Assembly then. We had about 300 people. We were yeah. meeting in a little storefront in West Sahara mm-hmm. next to the Blue Ox Saloon. You know, and, and our church exploded. And, yeah. uh, you know, within a few years, we're in a sanctuary with 3,000 people. Yep. Um, but um, people in the seats doesn't always equate to disciples either. Sure. And we had a lot of people who prayed the salvation prayer, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. Okay, that it's amazing to get somebody to that point where they say, even if it's a point in time where you say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Right. Um, but then to take that many people and really take them in a uh, walk where you're laying down your life. Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground mm. and dies, it can't bear fruit. Paul says, you know, I die daily. You know, I'm crucified in Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Yeah. So are we making disciples that are willing to l- truly lay down their lives? And that doesn't mean be martyred. In the traditional sense, it means, am I willing to give up everything that is me of the yeah. old man and totally reshape my life according to God's plan? Yeah. And the cool thing is, because the Father's a good Father, a lot of times it's really walking into the destiny that He built us for in the first place. Yeah. We just don't know it. Yeah. Uh, for some people, it means giving up everything. But Jesus only said that to the rich young ruler. That's the only guy in the whole Bible he said, go and sell everything, give it to the poor, and follow me. Yeah. He only said that once, and his disciples were freaked out. They're like, whoa, whoa, what's that about? It's a big price. And yeah. I think it's in Mark where he says uh, how hard it is for those who trust in riches yeah. to enter the kingdom. He really clarifies. Yep. And that's what that guy was doing. He had mm-hmm. built an insulation around his life. Yep. It's so hard to walk in faith when you don't have to have faith because you've got wealth. Mm-hmm. To make things happen, right? Yeah. Okay. But if I if I have to depend daily on Jesus for my finances, yep. ah, it becomes a walk of faith, not a walk of control. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's it's a whole a whole different thing and, and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And we, we tend to move towards comfort. And some really understand that because of the how prosperous they've been, that challenge, that's where their comfort yep. and power lies. Yep. Others it's in their charm, charisma, and appeal with people, it's in a sense, it's their personality. But I've found that that God's really accurate to ask us to walk in our weakness and to decline the power of our strength, whatever yes. that strength yes. is. And that seems to be a real pattern with God. In my life and everybody's life around me, I've seen us walking with Him. It's like, okay, cool, so we're going to walk, and then we're going to walk where you're really not good at walking. That's exactly right. Yeah. And where the terrain, you're uncomfortable, or even you just have paralysis, mm-hmm. and you can't walk. And I find those to be really challenging places, but it really illuminates the significance of that Paul to Timothy in our life mm-hmm. that says, I know this sounds nuts, but this is actually beautiful. Like the place that you're in right now that you hate and that you don't want to be in anymore and it's painful and it's challenging and it feels like it's just so uncomfortable this is actually a beautiful foundational place for god to partner with your growth right and that's where you learn to trust him is in things you suck at yeah okay yeah (laughs) if we can say that on the podcast we can when i was a kid you you never said that you never used that word it's changed so much hasn't it yeah it's it's completely changed okay all right um but it's it, it, things that we really stink at, 
Yeah. Um, that's and then we see all of a sudden God does something amazing with us yeah. in that area. It's like, dude, how did that happen? Oh God, yeah. Right. Yep. Okay. Hey, God God can use me even in things I stink at. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because he so has my life in his hands. And but it, it's hard to say, God, I, I give you my weaknesses too. It's great to say, God, I give you my strength, you know. Yeah, my gifting, my this impact. And all that and, yeah. and um God, I give you my weakness too. Yeah. 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 But, and it's still a, a bit of a mystery to me when Paul says, When I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Yeah. You know, that's it's such a, a paradox thing. Yeah. You know, and we don't we don't want to even think about that. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paul was he was crazy in that scripture. He didn't mean it. <laughs> oh, it's, it's amazing. I, I, you know, and, and Paul's he screwed up some things too. There was a lot of yeah. times where he really didn't know God's will. If you start looking through the Book of Acts for all the times he thought he was supposed to go here and ended up over here. Oh yeah. You know, he's, he goes with the Ephesians and he's leaving him on the beach and he says, "I'll never see you again. This yeah. is it. I'm going to go to Jerusalem and die." And the next year he's back there. Yeah. You know. <laughs> He was playing darts in the dark. He, he was. <laughs> just, like, sure. just like all of us, you know? And I, I, I love that. But don't tell them that about us. <laughs> yeah, please <laughs> don't. We need them to believe we know. Oh, man. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, that's why James says, you know, you boast about where you're going to go next year. Yeah. And he says, what you should be saying, if, if God wills, we'll, we'll go here and do this. Yeah. And, man, some of these phrases have become super spiritual and when we hear others say them they sound cliche i trust in god whatever his will is and some of these things can be like oh, that sounds so cliche and if it's not a true sincere lifestyle and expression it is just a cliche it's kind of and christianese it's, yeah. and it's just christianese but when you're authentically saying you know i don't know but i really trust god yep. and you're authentically there that's powerful mm-hmm. and it's real and it's relationship with God and it's where we should all aspire to be in an authentic way and I love to hear from from leaders who are well renowned about you know how they didn't know something yeah and, and you know I was listening to a, just a great podcast by Bill Johnson it's one of my favorites yeah and he was talking about going up to Toronto when the Toronto blessing happened and he just said you know, I uh, nothing really happened to me. You know, all these other people had these amazing experiences. Your dad had an unexpected, amazing experience in Toronto. Yeah. But for Bill Johnson, it really didn't happen. That, yeah. I didn't have that, like, you know, knocked down or uh, passed out in the spirit or any of that. But he came away from there with such a hunger for revival. Wow. That's what That's God cool. installed him. And it, it took, he was up at night for months. After that, even though he didn't get like totally blasted by the Holy Spirit, or right? Whatever, um, he came away with a seed. He says, "Yeah, for revival that's now never left him." And he literally said to God, "God, I'll do whatever it takes." Yeah. And and one night God showed him. Okay, showed him in different pictures. Okay, when you go to the restaurant, you're going to be ridiculed. Are you ready for that? Are you willing to sacrifice that? Uh, these friends will turn away from you if you pursue this. Yeah. Are you ready for that? And was showing him the cost, wow. and, and and he was he he you know wept through the night and said God whatever, you know he was willing to say yes to that, yeah you know and it, it's been amazing. I, 
Um, but I love to hear leaders like that. Chris Volatin's also yeah. sharing about how he has the Statue of Liberty anointing. You know, all these other people are falling down and laughing and speaking to all this. And Chris is just like standing there. Still like right And I there. personally have that same anointing. I do too. You know? <laughs> yeah, I do too. You know, I've literally been in the line where 100 people went down and not me. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> I love that Statue of Liberty anointing though. Yeah. I heard that's like, dude, that's me. That's um, so cool. But uh, I love to hear um, people tell you about how things aren't great, about how they didn't understand. Yeah. Yeah, and um, because then you you realize what a walk of faith they're in. Yeah, they continue to walk with Jesus even though they don't have a clue, <laughs> or or even you know maybe they got a, a one word from God and they're running with it. Yeah, trusting God for that thing. Right, like our comfort can't come from knowing. Yes. Yeah, our strength can't come from there. Yep, that's right. It's yeah. not. It, it's you know God counts our faith. Uh, he justified. We're justified by faith, right? And there's. I mean, I don't want to get into the fine edge on the theology of yeah. it. Yeah. But essentially, he counts our faith as righteousness. Yeah. Right. It's for, okay. We it doesn't count our works as righteousness, yeah. so we can't work our way into it. But faith is so important. That it's really that we trust him. God's saying, yeah. if you'll trust me, yeah, I'll count that as righteousness. Yeah. It's like, oh wow, what does that look like? Yeah. You know, and, and you, you know, we go, we're, we're children of Abraham, and Abraham's called the quote-unquote father of faith. But it, it tells us in Hebrew that, that God counted it to him righteousness. Yep. So I'm made righteous, I'm made in right standing by having faith in God, yeah. having trust. Mm-hmm. So we're built for this relationship with mm-hmm. the Father. Yeah. And he requires it of us. And he's pleased in it. And he, oh, he loves it. Yeah. He loves it. And he's displeased in, in doubt, too. Yep. Like, that's a reality. He always loves us perfectly, but his pleasure comes from us going, you know what, I really trust you. I'm going to follow you no matter what it looks like. Yeah. In, in our own that's marriage, cool. um, I when I married that. my wife, I won't give you all the details because she hates when I give too much information on this story. Oh, please do. We'll just say one night <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, after we've been married about 10 years, um, she says, okay, I, th- I feel like I can finally trust you now. Wow. Like, what? Ten, we, we've been married 10 years. 10 years! <laughs> and it just came out of the blue. It wasn't like before that she ever said, I don't trust you. Yeah. But um, it's just at that point, her faith in me, I guess, clicked. Wow. Okay, now she, she'd had issues growing up, not with herself, but with family issues and stuff mm-hmm. that were very challenging for her. She yeah. was the oldest of six kids, and uh, she didn't trust people easily. But the thing is, she so trusts me now, it's amazing. Okay, except I, except for the lead dancing, she still doesn't trust me. <laughs> I know exactly how you feel. That, that my wife and I had our five year anniversary last Saturday, and got almost, five more years. Five more years, <laughs> but uh, but almost the same exact conversation happened with us that night. It was like like I told her the following morning. I told her I was like, man, after just being with you last night and talking with you and going through this, I feel like I have. I feel like there was a new lease on our marriage. Like there was a new thing that broke, like there was a veil that was torn between us. Like I feel like you really let me in and opened Mm -hmm. up to me for the first time. And it was, it was like magic. I felt like I remarried my wife again. It's, it's like a, it's almost like a, a door to the, not holy of holies, but to the inner sanctuary of your heart. Yeah. You know, and your marriage at that point goes to such a deeper level. It's awesome. It's it's like a whole other door that you didn't even know was there. 
I think we just found part two of our podcast yes. with Steve. <laughs> I think so. This is actually an amazing topic that I think there's a ton to unpack. I think we should have him back for this. I agree. All right. A marriage one? Relationship? So Relationship? Covenant? Covenant. Yeah. Covenant, yeah. I love it. Well, this was this was great. I didn't talk this whole podcast. And we were excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept listening to you. Man, I, I was like being a fly. Oh, come on. I saw, you, I saw you shaking your head over Yeah, there. lots yeah. of head like, shaking. Oh, come on. Yeah, 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 the yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rolling his eyes. Oh, gosh. But, Bible uh, again. We'll Look do, at his wine. <laughs> we'll do part two of this. We'll do it on Covenant. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for being here. This was awesome. Amazing. We love you, Steve. Um, I want to do a quick too. shout out to Alex. Um, uh, who goes to the mountain church. He, mm-hmm. he, uh, I love his children, Faith and Caleb. They're yeah. in my youth. Uh, I love you guys. He was at my house yesterday spraying for bugs, and he said he missed us. So shout out to you, Alex. Shout out, buddy. This one's for you, bud. Uh, Samuel, anything you want to say to everyone? Dude, love you guys. Yeah. Love everybody. We love you. We can't wait to see you again, hopefully soon, sooner rather than later. But we love you, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Yeah.